Candace Stewart, and I'm here with my next episode of Trade Secrets. I'm here today with Moogie Canazio, who's a dear friend and certainly known to most of you who are listening to this for his music and his awards over the years. So, Moogie, it's so great to have you here today. Hello, hello, Candace. Thank you. First of all, thank you for bringing me here, though. Sure, sure. Well, this is a pretty loose, unscripted thing. It'll be a conversation between us, which is... Uh, both good and scary for most Uh-oh. people. <laughs> Here <laughs> but, we go. I mean, we'll start out at the beginning. Uh, where were you born? Well, I was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Yeah. And very fortunate because Rio is, uh, is privileged with being uh, pretty abundant with music and all diverse kind of music. And, and in my family, you know, music was always very present. Do you play an instrument? I play drums. You do? I yeah. don't think if I ever knew And that. the reason what I do what I do is because I had a band, and my band sucked. <laughs> you have, a lot of people say that. But yeah, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm honest. <laughs> except, for the drum, and, except for the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole band and me, the whole thing was kind of really lame. And I realized that I was going to starve if I didn't do something else. So back in the days, and this was before disco music, I became a DJ. Not a DJ that we know of it right now. Back in the days, DJs were a guy that had to have some a reasonable taste of music. And like like to, a radio disc jockey. Yes, radio disc jockey. But, you know, you have five hours to entertain the crowd. And to make the did you do it with turntables? Or? Yes, okay. turntables, but no mixer. The mixer right. was invented after, and it just happened that a good friend of mine that Boogie's not that old, by the way, listeners. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> a, go, a good friend of mine. He was the one that before we were just switching back and forth, left and right. But then, when the mixer came in, that was this whole, this new this Moogie here kind of woke up because I realized that I could start putting my pawn into things. I could mix this music here with this one, and people will go crazy. See, oh, wait a second. And you had a microphone now going through a mixer, so you could talk to them. Yeah, well, microphone came after because okay. my 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 semi talent was <laughs> to, to destroy two pieces of music and create another one equally bad. You know, you were remixers. Yes, remixers in the sense that there was no remixes, just a fact. But the thing is, creating songs from two songs blending together. But what what was so cool is that the excitement that that generated when people were in the floor dancing because they had songs that they were so familiar, but they never heard in that format. Right. And then they would just go crazy. I remember the first New Year's Eve that I did in this club. I remember clearly, we, I had to stop at 11 a.m. because the management said, listen, man, we're running out of water, light, and stuff. you got to stop. We went from 9 p.m. to 11 a.m. Oh, my God. Everyone. She's exhausted. And, and, and by the way, the, the strongest thing present was vodka, you know, yeah. <laughs> just so they know it was not. <laughs> no cocaine you know, keeping no everybody up. No coke yeah. and, you know, no you know, yeah. candies or anything. It was just like... <laughs> just drunk people, a bunch of drunk dancing yes, people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and not, and the thing is, because you're dancing, you wore out all the alcohols yeah, right, right. and you drink more. Yeah. And then the bar gets happy, the, you know... I wish we'd have bought stock in that bar. But, 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 you, know, <laughs> but you know, I had a funny, funny story about this because 
one of the waiters, and my cabin was behind the bar. It was a me in the corner and the bar. Okay. And you would come and you would order your thing and you would sign because it was a kind of a private thing going on, and you sign. And the waiter, he was Christian. And every time people would come to ask for a drink, I said, please don't drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, a, it's crowd control. You, right? you to say, man, are you out of your mind? <laughs> you, you're, here, you're not here to disencourage people to drink. This is the other way around. That's what we do here. So, so, so you're a DJ, and, and you're having fun doing that. Now, uh, were you in college? Were you in high school? How well, old were you? I mean, that w I was really young. I was actually minor when okay. that happened. I was 17 years old. We were all minors. Yeah, time. well, I was too young. I'm not too far away from that, but... <laughs> no, and then uh, I had obviously finishing up high school and were you good in school? Boy, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was. But but oddly enough, I I went to 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 a college for architect architecture. Oh, amazing! And a brilliant lawyer friend of mine came to me and said, "What are you wasting your time doing this, man? You know." You were tailored to He robbed music. us of, of yeah. Mugi Canazio designs. Yeah. yeah. And he said... <laughs> we could be living in a Mugi Canazio house yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you out of your mind, man. You're not tailored for that. you got to work with music. That's your thing. And this guy's a brilliant lawyer, really okay. big. And I said, you know what? Well, then I dropped the bomb in the family. I said, oh, guys, yeah, sorry. But that, yeah, hey, mom and dad, I'm not going to be an architect. I'm, I'm going to do this thing. You know, it was my grandparents who said... But they, it's not okay. Well, do what you have to. Well, they didn't have much choice because I was not asking. I was just letting them know. Letting them know what I was doing. So the Rio is a huge city, a cosmopolitan city, like you said, with a lot of different musical influences. Yeah. So you're working on DJing. Did you then? How did you go about going segueing from that to becoming a recording engineer? Was there a band that you met? Or no, something? as I said to you, be, because of me. Uh, tailoring my music already even that I was playing other people work right and then I said man I gotta learn how to do this better because I, I really love what I'm doing here I have very little resources now I say I know I'm gonna find a place where most of the records that I like are made ah. and I say we're gonna to have to go to LA, and then I flew to came to LA. Oh, how, so how so how old were you when you came to LA? Uh, uh, 1979. So I was wow, 24. Wow, wow. Me, my wife, and I landed in LA August 17, 1979, the second birthday of my son. Oh, I was just about to say, did you have your son yet? Yeah. And then I say, well, let's start walking around and see what can do. Where but the truth of the matter is. L.A. in our business yeah. was really tight, tight, and especially because the disco has just gone away. Yeah. A lot of facilities and they were closed. Oh wow! Yeah, you couldn't get a. A lot of the people that were working in studios, they, they, they were let go, 
they stayed there in turns because they were afraid of, you know, when the industry will pick up yeah, again, yeah, yeah. they will lose their job. I remember will... 1980 being kind of a rough turn. I, I yeah. was still in, in South Carolina, um, but I had come out. I would come out during high school, and my brothers all worked at the record plant. So I'd come out to see my brothers on 3rd Street, and it was great in the, in the early 70s and even in the mid-70s, but by 1980, there was a total lull yeah. In, in recording and it was rough because my brother had worked with Donna Summer and stuff like that so it's yeah. true what you said about this no, and I sure. worked with your brother though oh yeah did you yeah, yeah I think yeah. you worked with Steve yeah uh, Artisan oh yeah oh Rick yeah, yeah Rick. you worked with Rick at Artisan yeah uh, listeners I have three brothers and they yeah. were recording oh, okay. engineers right. yeah I thought you know? it was the same yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know uh, but um, what you anyone listening to the podcast you should know that I have three older brothers and two of them are recording engineers at the record event <laughs> anyway so and uh, but then my brother worked for Kendon and Kendon owned Artisan uh, Kent yeah. Duncan had the main studio on Glenwood Place and then he owned Artisan in Hollywood and Paula my dear friend who runs, ran Capital for 30 years she started at Kendon also as did Rose yeah you as know, did and, I and by the way just so that you know that I, was my first gig at Kendon Oh, at Artisan with my brother? No, no. Oh. At Kendon Record, oh. Rose and Paula. Oh, my God. I was I a gopher it. at Kendon. Oh, I love it. Well, dear listeners, you'll have to do some research, but look up Kendon Recorders. Uh, it's now called Glenwood Place. Amazing, please. Still a beautiful studio yeah. and still uh, operating. Uh, it's owned by Atlantic Records now, and so a lot of mainly yeah. using Atlantic artists, but uh, beautiful studio still there in Burbank on Glenwood Place. So, and by the way... It just happened that I think when I, the first time I met you and I worked with you was a Red Zone. That was, was to the do Kendon. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's so crazy. Now, I met you before, I think, at Soundcastle. I don't remember. No, Soundcastle was later. Later. Yeah, what Red was Zone it was before? early. Red Zone was early. For me, it was Take One and Red Zone, yeah, both okay. A and B, right? Okay, one and okay, two yeah. at Kendon. And then I left okay. and went to Soundcastle okay, in 94. Okay, so. Yeah. Well, by the time I met you, you were already doing great. So yeah, in, well, in five was, years, you, know, you kicked yeah, ass. Yeah, I know. I was, I was Dude, five know. years, you got a lot done. Yeah, I had to. I had to. <laughs> you had a family. I, first of all, I'm an immigrant. So immigrant, you don't have time to, <laughs> to be happy. You, you got to work. be capable. You <laughs> got to work, you know. <laughs> so uh, what was uh, the first session that you did at Kendon? What was, uh, Bar rather. Barry was McGuire. Barry McGuire. And okay. I have a really cool, funny story. Oh, yeah, please. It's really funny because okay. I worked. Uh, that project, uh, Bruce Redeen oh, the best. recommended Ralph Osborne to be the engineer for the project for Barry Maguire. Okay. And then I was my it was my first gig as assistant engineer at Kendon. Right. Okay, so we were recording, and Barry Maguire and the producer Tony I forgot his last name. Anyway, they were all Christians. Uh, and then Ralph was really foul mouth. He oh. would be cursing all the time. Oh, Ralph. So the second or third day of recording, and remember, the producer came to him and said, listen, man, can you please do me a favor? Can you stop cursing? Oh, wow. Because yeah, it's offense, every time it's offensive you curse, to us. We're Christians. Yeah. we have to stop and pray. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. That's oh, Lord. You, <laughs> no pun intended. Every single time. There was, whatever it is that was happening, they would stop and they would pray. And then he came to him and said, please, can you please stop it? I'm going to tell you why. I don't mean to impose our format on you, but the problem is that we run out of time and budget. <laughs> you know, every time you curse, we have to stop and we have to go back. And oh stop. So my God. please. Oh my God. So he said, no, I'm going to say it now. 
now it got to the point that Paula will call us when they park the car in the front, say, Ralph, they're here. Don't cuss. So, so <laughs> Ralph will go to the corner of the suit and be, fuck, fuck. <laughs> get it all out. Get it out. <laughs> but then it didn't work. Yeah, I guess not. So because in 15 minutes, fuck, and then the producer stopped and said, "He's like, look, guy. Look, man. I, yeah. I'm sorry. We just don't have the time or the budget for that. So you're gonna, you great engineer. Everything is going well, but you got to help me out. You have to point me someone else to finish the record because I can't." Oh, wow. And then he looked and said, well, Moogie, he's right here. He just started the record. He's a good engineer, you know. And I was starving, man. And I was really, I really wanted to do it. And oh, I I, my dedication was See, absolutely good. And, and for people who are listening, it remains the same today. He's as excited and enthusiastic about every <laughs> session he does today, years later. And that's what I love to see. That's what's so important and what but I man, want people to hear. A, it, it's a dream. It, this is a, a privilege yeah. in the gift. I, I agree. I, I te I usually say, I never I never chose music. Music chose me. Yep. It's different. Yeah. And it's a commitment. You know, if you if you cannot gather the the good vibe when you're doing this, who else is going to enjoy this? Yeah, you have yeah. to start right. with us. Exactly because it, and it would be reflected in your work yeah. as well. And I hate bad vibes. By the way, oh, I yeah. really can't stand it. I, I'm a good vibe. No oh, man. I try to be a good vibe. Yeah, you have to. I, I, we're good vibes. You know, well, well we're <laughs> and, so and privileged, also, man. And it's also, we're so lucky, but it's also, it's music. You know what I mean? We're yeah. not working in a bomb factory. Yeah. We're not, you know, and for, you know, luckily for us, we're not working in an emergency room. You know what I mean? We get to help you, in particular, get to help people realize a dream. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And you, like you said, it's a privilege. And, no, the and, also, and the trust, the trust is important. Yeah, and also, you know, the first thing I see, we are the carrier of happiness. You know, people listen to music because they want to contemplate yeah. life and they want to just enjoy. And so, how 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 can you not be part of the whole process and being grateful to? Well, you know, I, and I've told you this before. I'm a champion of engineers. I think they're the unsung heroes of all music that's ever been recorded. Mm -hmm. And before recorded music, the guy that was conducting Mozart. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that guy deserves a medal. Absolutely. You know, so. I, I think that people don't really realize, and one of the things I want to impart in this podcast is for people to delve in more to the music that they listen to and look at the credits, find Absolutely. out who recorded it. And I think you'll find, I know I have found over the years, like, oh, I like this artist or I like this. And a lot of times it'll end up being the same engineer. Yeah. It's like an instinct, like yes. a familiarity that you just go to. I mean, Absolutely. obviously you want to listen to new stuff, but you kind of, your heart just goes there. It's like you Absolutely. recognize it, you know what I mean? And you know, uh, I have to, to, just to tell this because of whoever is listening, if they are trying to absorb any good information, this is certainly one of them. I remember in this one club that I was a DJ. Yeah. And I was the one also that, that developed the sound system for the club. Oh, wow. And one thing that I noticed that the certain records that I played, it made my system really sound fat and yeah, big yeah, and yeah. some of them were just all right so i said listen i gotta find out what is it is something that i'm not doing is maybe the car oh. whatever and then i did some research and i came to one seat 145 back in the days was yep. a 45 yeah and i said man this this record sounds so good here who is that guy 
And then there was no credits anywhere. Oh, man. There was the band. There was the arranger. Yeah. And that, not even the producer credit was in the court because it was the 45. Yeah. So what I did, I there wrote... Was no, a there was no internet then, people, by the way. You no, couldn't no, go no, on the no, Google no, no, no. <laughs> look at it. I wrote... I'm in Rio, Brazil, and I wrote to Brunswick Records in New York. Oh, I love So this. listen, I'm a DJ, and I'm playing my this record, and they sound so good. This was 1972. I love it. I love it. It took maybe a month and a half for the letter to get there. Oh, my York. God. <laughs> and maybe another month and a half to come back. But they wrote you back? They wrote me back. Oh. And check this out. The guy said, well, the only thing that I can tell you is maybe our engineer the engineer that recorded this album is called Bruce Sweden. Oh, I love this it. This was Old Girl by Shy Lights in 1972. Oh my God. So people found Bruce Sweden on Thriller. I said, no, no, no. Way before that. Way before I could already, because I was so in tune of the whole process. I wanted, as you just said, the engineers are so you know, important, you know. I'm, I'm such a fan, and, and I always... Uh, tell people that work for me at the studio i always make them watch the language of music which is the documentary on tom dowd yeah and tom Amazing. dowd bill putnam who built the room yeah. we're sitting in these guys, we stand on the shoulders of these guys that were amazing. I mean, they were, Heroes. and, and Swedeen and even Jeff Emmerich, they were creating, they were just winging it. You know what I mean? Like, and initially it was broadcast. Consoles yeah. were for radio. Mm -hmm. And they, and Tom and Bill and Les Paul, they modified them for recording. Yes. God bless them. Yeah. God bless them. But the techniques that they came up with, a lot of it was happy accidents. Yes. Right? Yeah, like absolutely. something crazy would happen. But I'll never, uh, Jeff Emmerich, God rest his soul, yeah. he told me a story about putting John Lennon on a swing, on a hanging rope swing, <laughs> and setting up microphones in a circle around the room at Abbey Road and pushing John and making him sing while he was spinning in a circle. Wow. And the song is, uh, is it Within You, Without You, Chagaru Day is a uh -huh. song. Anyway, uh -huh, I can't uh -huh. sing, people. But if you listen to that performance, John is actually swinging in a circle, singing. Wow, you know, man, so he just got like super, just got super creative, you know. And and that was in, you know, Tom Dad. That was the '60s, you know. And also, you know, I remember Jeff, our dear friend Jeff, oh, that I, we loved so much. Best. He was telling me stories about. There was such a rigid protocol yeah, back Road. then. And, and yeah, actually, they were in the was, lab coats, you know. He, he he was called. He was called once. He came to work. That is, Jeff told me this because the, he was working and he mic'd the Ringo's kit in a certain way, and then the next morning when he came to work, they changed it. No, oh. the the maintenance guy called him and said, "Listen." You know we have a book. You cannot have the mic, the kick drum mic, closer than sixteen inches from the skin. <laughs> and he said, "Well, well, we're trying to get a sound, sound, but you don't get a sound. That's the protocol. That's what it is. And by the way, you fired. Oh shit! And fired him. Shoot. So, and you know how rigid British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Protocol. Well, well we always tease the, about the Abbey Road guys wearing the lab coats. But yeah. God bless so them. then, Jeff said that he came back to the studio and then John and he was packing his stuff because he was fired oh damn and John said what is happening where are you going and he explained to him John, what happened this is John Lennon listeners yeah John yes <laughs> I'm, I mean I feel so I feel embarrassed about this because i talking with Jeff oh I know Jeff relates to John Ringo Paul like uh, they were you know well they were young yeah you know and then John said listen 
If you walk, we walk. We walk. walk. We yeah, stop the record right now. I love that. And then he called George Martin, and the whole thing was clear. And George Martin called the manager, which would be yeah. someone like me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who, who said, keep the maintenance guys away from Jeff and let him do his thing. Exactly like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, thank thank God, uh, and, and God bless Abbey Road, still in yeah. business. God bless all the... All, God bless all the big studios. Yeah. May we all survive forever. Right. But uh, I think that it's important to point out that like people were not, they were resistant to change and they were resistant to new ideas. Absolutely. And one of the things we have to really thank the Beatles for and, and other bands of that time yeah. in the 60s, the Stones, was they pushed the limits of what equipment did, what the studios were used to. And everything. I mean, this, the room we're sitting in was... Uh, a radio audience theater before it was a recording studio. Oh. So like a radio show that your great grandparents would listen to mm -hmm. on the radio was recorded in here with an audience. Well, now Bill Putnam came and he did some redesign. It's very ambient. The room we're sitting in yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he made it for recording. But if those people, if those innovators and those pioneers hadn't pushed you know, and absolutely. And I'm happy to see that kids are still doing things today. I, I always think that artist empowerment's a good thing. Now we'd all agree that during COVID, everybody working from home, there was some pretty, pretty crappy music made. Yeah. But uh, there's also some good music. I think it's about the song and does the song elicit emotion? And you can record if you're a good singer. You can record if someone. You know, you can get a good yeah. vocal in a bathroom. Absolutely. But hopefully. People you have control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hopefully you have some decent but, gear. But you see you mentioning something, but I think it's but very important. But good is good, also, by the way. Yeah. We need to differentiate but, what's but good. We, <laughs> but, we have to, but we have to also remind people that we don't, we're not talking about, because when you think about, when you talk about today's experiment and this and that, you immediately relate to having a huge, giant budget. That was not what happened then. Yeah. You have, in fact, you have a lot less time to accomplish the tasks that you need to than what we have now with a limited budget. But, but oh yeah, people did a then, record in a day. You know, they did an album in two days. Yeah, three Nat days. King Cole will walk in the Capitol Building at yeah. 10 a.m. and will walk home with a record at yeah. 2 p.m. under his arm, ready. Yeah, and I think, and I mean, not to to take away from that, but I mean, you get the early examples of like Elvis going into a place. And paying ten bucks, yeah, and going in and knocking out three tracks, absolutely, you know. So also, don't knock mono. You know, when Moogie was talking earlier about some of the albums that he played or the forty fives that he played and how great they made his sound system sound, it always thrills me now. Like, and I, I wrote Lou Adler and I wrote him an email the other uh -huh. day and just said, "Man, you were you were so good as a yeah, producer right, yeah. and the engineer." I, I don't remember the engineer's name. I remiss who was the Beach Boys and the Mamas and the Papas engineer. But you listen to those records. You listen to California Dreamin' in mono or you listen to some of the Beach Boys stuff in mono and it's so rich and so full and the landscape is so saturated with, with, with dynamic you, range. You know, you, you're mentioning something and we were talking about Jeff, our dear Jeff Emmerich. Yeah. I, I had the privilege of taking Jeff and Ed Cherney to a panel. We three had oh a panel. God. I mean, imagine. Oh no. What the fuck am I doing but in a no, panel with no, Jeff Emmerich? And, and it was so funny I because... I you're worthy. Be, because Ed Cherney played Bonnie Raitt. It was oh, incredible. Nick of Time, an incredible album. Yeah. And then Jeff played Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> and <laughs> they say, Moogie, oh, what are you going to play? I'm not going 
gonna play any of them. I'm gonna walk out of here now. Dude. And I played the score of a movie because I oh. couldn't even think of breaking any records after those. You can't, you yeah, know, forget yeah, about. Yeah. I have a couple inches of. Well, you your know. your humility is yeah. certainly certainly but, engaging. But Jeff was really upset because when even then. Because the version that we had for him, because he, he requested... It was certain, stereo. It was stereo. Yeah. He was so upset. Man. Yeah. And honest, <laughs> you know, we're here to say the truth. I had never until then... Seen him annoyed. No, no, compared. Oh, oh. The mono and the... Oh, dude, I'm telling you, it's huge. When I heard that, I said, man, no okay. wonder why he's so, so pissed. A few years ago, I went out and I bought the box set. It was CDs for my husband, uh -huh. right? For the Beatles. And it was expensive. It was a lot. Yeah. And it was CDs, which is another... We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about CDs yeah. and audio quality yeah. later. But uh, but I got the stereo one. Oh, dude. I, I fucked up. Yeah. I no. should have bought the mono one for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, well. And <laughs> no, and it, I, I remember that once we listened with Jeff, the the vinyl, the original one that was like the, this guy brought in a Brinks car, you know, it was really <laughs> the the sound was incredible. I, I, why I mean you're an engineer, why do you think that is? Well, because you know, it was meant to be. It was developed, done an exercise, and Jeff told me that it took them three months to finish oh. or something like that, two right. months to mix the original mono right. and two weeks to mix the stereo version. Right, right. Interesting. And you now know, we're talking Atmos. And yeah, now, we're, no, now, we're, now we're 19 you or know, 22 objects. Well, you, 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 when you're talking about Atmos right now, a recent investigation that I did, it, you know what's happening with Atmos. People are, uh, are doing stamps yeah. of a record and sending to assistant engineers to do Atmos version. Yeah. You know, it's really, you know, I'm not saying that everyone is doing this, but there's yeah. a lot of that happening yeah, yeah. out there. Well, a lot of it sucks. I mean, again, you know, we're not the, uh, we're not the gate, we, we're not technically the gatekeepers of good audio because ultimately it's up to an artist to write a great song and to give a great performance. Our job is to capture it. And in that sense, your job is to capture it. In that sense, you are the gatekeeper. Like, in other words, to, to allow something that sounds like crap is not going to come off of your fingers. Absolutely. I know you. Yeah. I know you. Yeah. And you wouldn't let it be so. No. So, and I think anybody who's listening to this or getting started, do your research. Read about the people that came before you and study what they did. Yes, man. You know? One thing that I, that I, until, until this day I do, and I, that is the, the most asked question to me, what, what do I suggest for young engineers and people starting? I said, listen, critical listening. Yeah. Get 45 minutes of your day to listen to everything you can possibly listen. Not only the kind of stuff they like or hip hop or rock or pop. No, no, no. Just everything. Listen to Mahler one day and then yes. listen to Bossa Nova the other day. Then to listen to a score yeah, your, to your toe box can't be one genre. If yeah. you're going to be good at this, you have to understand what you're Absolutely. listening for. So it's so you've now you've done this first thing with uh, was it Robbie McGuire? What was his name Richard McGuire? Uh, Barry McGuire. Sorry, Barry. Barry McGuire. All right, and then I, you know, that I love Brazilian music. Yeah, and we've known each other for a long time. Uh -huh. But Astrid Gilberto, Joao, you know, Jovim. Yeah, I listen in my car uh -huh. all the time. So. I heard a story, and you will know if it's true or not. Was it true that Astrid did like it was like a scratch vocal for Girl from Ipanema, yeah. and then yeah, tell me what you know about yeah. Well, and that you was, work with those guys. Yeah, like, you I well, the last album, Jean Gilberto, I I produced the album, and it was one of the biggest 
privilege of my I got to get a copy career. of that record. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I got to get a copy. And it was <laughs> it took 6 months for to do the uh, us to finish the album. But we actually recorded in 3 3 and a half days. Wow. And then he kept he kept saying, well, who's going to do the orchestra? It's going to be Johnny Mendel, Klaus Orgerman, a couple of Brazilian guys and stuff. And that was stretched the logistics five and, and a half months. The logistics booking everybody, yeah, yeah. And then the end, he said, you know what? I, it's going to be guitar and vocal only. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, he would call me, say, Moogie, can you please come here? I want to talk to you about this. Is, said, she, sure. still, is she still alive? No, he uh -huh. passed a year and a half ago. Did she, is she alive though? Is no, that she is. Uh, she's alive. Yes, oh, she's alive. She's still alive. But Juan will call me. He said, "Can you come here? I need to talk to you about the, a couple of takes." So he's in Brazil and I'm in LA. <laughs> so I, I flew, I think, eleven times. Oh Jesus! Yes, just to meet with him. And out of the eleven times, maybe nine times, I got there and, and I said, "Wait, well, yes, Juan, what do you want? So, are you hungry?" I said, "Yes, I'm always hungry." <laughs> Okay, let's order food, let's eat. And he would not even talk about the project. To the point that the record company called me, what's your problem, man? You know, you're so over budget. <laughs> I well, said, he, what do you want me to do? You were part of his muse. Yeah. You were part of his process. Absolutely. And, and he was a hermit. And you were his sounding board, and he trusted you. Yeah. Back full circle to the trust and the vibes. And, and, and Juan, specifically him, uh, he was so fussy and so picky. And... I have to brag about this because it was maybe the biggest compliment I ever got in my career was from him because when they when the record company decided to do a record with him they said well we want to have a producer that we trust I had never worked with him before mm. we have to have a producer that we trust and they were making the decision until they finally okay João agreed that I was going to be the producer well, it probably didn't hurt that you were Brazilian yeah <laughs> <laughs> Might have helped because you can speak Portuguese. One of my one talk. of my biggest reference of the work was João Gilberto Auschmidt did oh. Amoroso in 1963 or something like that. Another, Amazing. Another pro person that we miss another every day. Dear friend. So anyway, so we I set up the studio for him, and I wanted to approach the record as if he was playing in his living room. I didn't want to put headphones. I didn't want mm. the studio environment. I just want. So I had him there. He played for a minute and a half, exactly one minute and a half. And I say, I want to listen. I say, Juan, but I, I, I just started getting sound. I said, no, I want to listen. And I did guitar and vocals direct. Do we mention that part of this job is being a real serious psychologist? <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's the main one. <laughs> so so he, he came and he listened. I played a track for him. The minute and a half, but I explained to him, so listen, I just started. And he said, no problem, I just want to see who we are. Because he was so fussy about sound, oh Juan was like. Now, was he, was he knowledgeable about engineering and equipment? No. Oh, gotcha. Not at all. Well, he knew because he, he had a preference. He knew, is this a Neumann microphone? Okay, gotcha, yeah. Because yeah. he had good experience what, with the what, Neumann. What mic did you but use he for him? But then he couldn't tell model or anything like but that. But what mic did you use for him? I used several. I used a couple of B&Ks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used now C12 DPA, bass. Now DPA, B&K is now yeah, DPA. Yeah, well, you know, Might be right. a sponsor of the podcast, so I'm going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> and my 67, my U67. And then... I played to him the minute and a half, 
And he was silent in the studio for five minutes. I said, I'm fired. Oh, I can't geez. tell. And then the manager that was in the room with us said, Joan, she said exactly this phrase, are you still with us? Because he was so <laughs> Like spacing out. And I'm sitting here. I'm already packing. I said, I'm, <laughs> I've lost the gig. So he said, yes, Mookie, can you please come with me? I said, now I'm positive. He's oh, gonna, God. He's just going to, you know. Fire me outside. Yeah. yeah. And then he held me and said, Mookie, you recorded my soul. Oh, my God. That's Candace. a huge Until compliment. Until now, I just... Oh, just that's making me it. choke yeah. up. That's incredible. And I was like... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So but and then he said, but I'm not fine. I'm not... I'm not well today. Oh. So what I'm going to ask you, please, just imagine, like this, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, can we stop and come back tomorrow to work? Okay. And I said, <laughs> yeah, but I thought he was just, you know, he was kind of politely giving me a bypass. That's what I would say. Okay, fine. You're just it paranoid. Never so well. He was already known not showing up when everything was fine. <laughs> so the next day he came, and in three, two and a half days, we recorded the whole album. How many songs? Uh, ten. Wow. And then, as I said to you, five months. Yeah. Until he said, listen, the album is going to be. Let's leave it the way we did it in the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Now, the fourth night, the third night, at the end of the night, I did a rough mix in the studio for him to take a dad home. And I gave to him. So five months later, he, uh, he said. A dad's a tiny little yeah, digital yeah. cassette tape. <laughs> He said, said, okay, fine. So I grabbed the tapes. There were tapes then, so brought it here. So were you running like a two-track, like a reel-to-reel? -reel? No, I was running I was running not two-track. I was running a 24-track, but reel-to-reel, oh. -reel, you know, the whole. Oh, my God. And then I said, okay, I'm going to mix the album. So I flew in with the tapes, mixed the whole album, sent it to him. And it was fast mixed. It was his guitar and vocal once you got, you got yeah. the first. Send it to him. He listened, he called me, man, this is amazing. Oh, I love it. This is so incredible. I do want to change oh, a couple yeah. of things. Here do you, we go. Do here you we mind go. coming here again? <laughs> and I said, sure. Now, so was, I, he, was he in Rio or what city was he in? He was in Rio. Okay, great. Did yeah. you get to see family when you go the there? the beach, Leblon, yeah. Yeah. So long story short, I got there and he convinced me that the rough mixes were much better than the did, mixes. Do you agree to this well, day? Well, I, 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 I think he was right. Really? I think he was right. Well, I got to get the record on by later. Yeah. I, will ha I think I have a copy. I'll give it to I you. Know about it. And by the way, that is something that I know. My first Grammy nomination with Sergio, Sergio Mendes, Brasileiro, 1992, the first four songs were rough mixes. I never, he never let me mix the record because... Everyone that did he heard, give you credit? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, but he also he he, he was that is one that's that is an element. Do you, do you think? Do you think? And I've 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 noticed this myself before with records that have been done here, where I've gone and listened to the rough mix. Uh, Audio Slave was an example, and those of you listening to this, uh, Rich Costi, don't get mad at me. But yeah, you did the the rough mixes that I heard. I loved it, and then when I heard it on the radio, I went, "What happened to it?" Yeah. And it wasn't anything that Rich did. It would have been mastering or whatever was requested of him whatever changes were mm -hmm. made by the producer mm -hmm. rick rubin for him so but i wonder i wonder if in this case 
uh, with Sergio and with, with uh, Joao, if uh, it, they just heard it that first time, the rough mix, and they just felt it and they got it. And they, and they didn't want, like, the other version. Well, like just, the thing is, I think I, 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 I was not a producer of the record. I helped producing, but the producer Come on. of the record was... It sounds was, like yeah. you went there 11 times. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? But the, Where but, was that guy? Where yeah. was the producer? But Sergio, Sergio... <laughs> oh, for that record. Oh, okay. uh, for that record. Sergio, Sergio doesn't get any hype or anything. You know, he is so such a visceral producer. Yeah. He listens to it. If it's good, it's good. If it isn't, it isn't. Yeah. And when it's good, it's good. You yeah. know, the problem with a lot of times when you just said, when you compare the rough mixes and the mixes and you see that the soul was taken, is because, man, I have a phrase that I use a lot. Is Everyone, it compression? You think it's the loudness? I think words? it's everything. Yeah. It's just a whole bunch of it. But I mainly is one phrase that I'm going to tell you that I use a lot in my sessions here. And you know that I'm, I do five, six tracks in one day yeah. in your studio here. Yeah. Is the phrase is listen, let's go back because it was better when it was worse, right? Because a lot of people try to improve and improving, 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 and you get further and further and further away from. They get really self conscious sometimes during the performance when that's happening too. Like I, I remember a long time ago, uh, John Porter was working at Red Zone, and I have to thank John Porter for getting me into this building and getting me my job at Cello, which is now East West. So thank you, mm -hmm. John, if you're listening to this. And he was working with Buddy Guy. And uh, Bonnie Raid, if you listen to this, I swear it's true. So Bonnie came in to, and she was going to work on this Buddy Guy record. And she was going to do this harmonica part. And Buddy and John came to me and they said, you know, uh, we keep doing this. And every time we're doing it, it, it's getting worse. Like we need to go back to the first one where we were all just feeling it. And we were all just off the cuff, you know, kind of ad-libbing and winging it. He goes because the more we're doing this, the less it the less it is. Yeah. You know. By the way, who was that? John Porter was the oh, producer. Okay, John Porter. It was, I thought it was John Sternick. No, it was John John Porter, and it was Buddy Guy, and it was the first record that Buddy Guy did when he kind of resurged on Silvertone, uh -huh. and I think John got him signed to Silvertone. Okay. We went down to Fado Doe or somewhere and saw Buddy perform, and we were like, "What the?" Heck? And he knew who Buddy Guy was. I didn't. You know, I didn't know that Buddy was like Hendrix's influence and i didn't know yeah, any of that yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. you know i was 30 and knucklehead yeah, but sure. but bonnie they wanted me to go talk to bonnie they were like you got to go talk to bonnie and you got to tell bonnie to relax i'm like I i'm like basically the runner but you know i was a manager <laughs> i was basically the runner and yeah. i was like i'm not that's what you know and uh what i did what i think i did if i can remember correctly is i just went to bonnie and i you know i got him some lunch or something and i said hey bonnie i go Man, that first harmonica solo you blew was amazing. That was incredible. You know, I said, wow. And she said, yeah, well, we're trying to get it right. And I'm like, wow, well, I thought the first one sounded crazy good. And I think that's all I said. Yeah. I think I was just like, <laughs> not to manipulate, but I was kind of innocent. And I just told the truth. So. <laughs> but but you see that sometimes what it takes is to, to for you to get the opinion of someone that is yeah, a, a observer. Yeah. And yeah. then... To realize that you know the the more you try to to polish, the worse it gets. Uh, we, we've seen that all every yes, single time. Yeah, and 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 again, if if you're listening to this and you're an artist and you're a perfectionist, which is a natural aspect of being a good musician, you know, don't beat yourself up, but also just realize to relax and breathe and just let it come out. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, and enjoy the life of the content that you're generating because that's what it's all about. Yeah, enjoy I mean, the moment. Perfect is so freaking boring. <laughs> right? I mean, right? control imperfection is what I'm looking for every time I walk in the control room in the studio or in a session or in a rehearsal. We want, you, a, we want a beautiful mess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just try to be perfect. It's really boring. So, uh, so tell, me that, tell me if that's a true story about Astrid doing the scratch vocal. For yes, it was, it was. I think they, they... I love her voice. Yeah. She, well, she, was, she is a still a great singer. Obviously, but was she a famous singer then? No, I think she... Well, the, I think the whole early, thing started... Early. There are many different stories, and yeah. it, it was a I little before yours. my time. I trust yours. I know. <laughs> but <laughs> I think also, Juan was kind of, you know. Macho. Come on. Wanted to get there, too. And, you oh, know, got it, yeah. Yeah, I think the whole thing is she was gorgeous. She was beautiful, beautiful This lady. is before they were married people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so He's trying to entice her and bring her in. But those of yeah. you who aren't familiar, it's Astrid with a U. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. And Ipanema's a beach, if you're yeah. wondering. <laughs> yeah, well. No, people listen to that and they don't know. They're like, well. And by the way, Girl of Ipanema is just, it's just about any girl that you just look and you say, wow. Girls walking down the beach. Yeah, man. You know, that's the whole thing. And by the way, it just happened that the, 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 the if you re read the lyrics, it was exactly what's happening. Tom Jobim and Vinicius, the original songwriter yeah. in Portuguese, they were having a beer at the bar next to the beach, and he said, man. Look at that girl. Check this bitch, man. <laughs> you know? And that, that is what the lyrics are, exactly the description of this one girl walking by the town and beautiful and gorgeous and tall yeah. and blonde and the yeah. thing she walks like no one is like the whole... Yeah. So it's all about horny guys. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny because that reminds me of another story. And I don't know. Did you ever meet Roy? Or I mean, uh, yeah, Roy Orbison. Did you ever meet Roy Orbison? No. All right. So he came in to do that with Dom was to do this. It's back at Red Zone to do this duet with Katie Lang. Huh. And they were going to do they did a duet of crying. And it's amazing. You should listen yeah. to it. But in the meantime, I was tasked. I had this broken down truck and I would be the one like I take Roy to the bakery or I take Roy to get lunch or Roy would want to get away. You know, he'd want to get out of there. Uh -huh. And uh, so I asked him about um, about Pretty Woman. And he said, he said, you know, he said, I got in trouble for that song. He said, I was, I was married. And he said, and I, I saw this woman walking by and he was like, he said, I, he said, I didn't whistle, but I commented. And he said, I think my wife heard me, you know, like he was like, oh man, look at that. Look at that late, look at that woman yeah. walking by on the street. And he said, I got in a little bit of trouble. He said, but then when I made it a huge hit, he goes, everything was okay. <laughs> <laughs> After the bank account yeah, yeah, was yeah, filled yeah. up. He gives that little growl, you know, yeah, 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 in this yeah. song, which is so classic. And it's brilliant. Oh, Every aspect of it is brilliant. Oh my God. I mean, what an incredible yeah, singer. Yeah. Crazy. But you know, th this is one thing, what you just mentioned, it just caught me. And one of the, the, for me, one of the biggest things about our trade, for me at least, is that you, I love driving. When I travel, I dr drive a lot, much better than flying or train or anything. Yeah, I drive. And then you rent a car, you're driving in Switzerland somewhere, and you stop in a gas station to get water or to grab a sandwich or something. And that the small speaker in the gas station, yeah, right above the pump, yeah, <laughs> plays a song that you would, an album that you recorded 25 years ago. Oh my God, I love that. And then you stop and you say, 
man, you close your eyes and you can see the moment that you park your car and you came, all the discussions that went about, the changes that you did, the, the everything oh, about all the emotional aspect of the, of the piece. It's amazing. Well, we always hear this from songwriters and the inspiration for songs. I think Satisfaction was originally titled Scrambled Eggs or something, yeah, Keith Richards yeah. said. Yesterday, yesterday. Or yeah, oh, you're right. That's right. Yesterday, yesterday was Scrambled yeah. Eggs. John Lennon. Sorry, yeah. wrong band. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, but we never hear it from the perspective of an engineer, and that's no, so amazing that what you yes, just said. Yes, absolutely. Now, and also, oh, I'm getting, I'm like getting chills right now thinking <laughs> about listening to a song in a gas station. But, but yeah, and then you know, and then it, sometimes you get even a, you transform yourself into an annoying person because now I'm listening to a mix that I did 25 years ago. I see. Mm, maybe I should have a little more. <laughs> love yeah, yeah. Maybe I should tweak that uh, a little bit. I don't know. The kick drum could yeah, be and then like you walk, happy me. Then you walk into like... the gas station in the convenience store in Switzerland and go, you know, you need to get a different speaker. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did that record and it doesn't sound like But you know, you know what? I'm really fortunate because I think okay. I got vaccinated about this already. You oh, know, okay. when I sit down and commit and I like it the, the way it is, yeah. every single time you listen again to that piece is never going to sign the same yeah they're gonna sound the way it is at that moment that you're making a decision or what you're you listening commit. to it on too yeah like uh, later uh, b besides the because what when you're listening on if you move five feet away from the speakers the whole concept changes already and you have to keep in mind that a lot of people not, most of the people are not going to be perfectly sitting in the center of two speakers and listening. They're going to be listening to the same thing, like in a gas station. Right. And right. they have to be equally uh, impressed. important and impressed. Right. You know, that's one thing that is more important than anything else. So, uh, Translation. With, yes. With all respect of the investment of the amazing equipment that we have in the studios, but, you know, this is a this is a planet that only was habitate. Nobody else does. Yeah. So now when people are listening to this. Yeah, the phone. And it doesn't really matter how good your record sounds there if it don't translate here, you accomplish zero. But 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 if it does sound great and you trust it when you get in your, it always used to be that they go sit in their car and listen to the car speakers. Now you listen on your phone. But when you finally hear it on your phone, do you ever go back in and go, oh, I need to change something? No, 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 I, no, I, no, I don't. I really don't. But okay. you know why? Because I've been doing this for a long time, first of all. And back in the days of vinyl, you, you, you have to keep in mind that back in the days you could mix a song that you would never be able to put on a vinyl because of the technical aspect of the mix. So you had, to, you had certain boundaries that you had to okay, got, oh, got it. keep. And not only for specific mix, but also as a concept of the album, because you couldn't leave the the more the song with a lot more energy as song number five, because the grooves are much uh, slowlier oh, than the outside. The things that you learn and then you do, and then you listen. Well, man, why? So course. wait. So how does that work? So the songs that are on the outside of the vinyl have more bandwidth level, or level bellow, because the groove is faster. Than this one here that is. I'm sure I instinctively know that so listening. Back never in the days it. when we're sequencing, sequencing, oh. you had to, uh, not only you had to have a good balance of size of side between A and B, the right. s as close as possible, 
But not only that, make sure that you're not going to leave the really slamming cuts to the end because they will lose completely oh, the energy. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that. Well, yeah. that, that we have to give credit to to our mastering friends who who do that for a yeah. living because that's yes. a, that's another gift in and of itself for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. You know, Bob Ludwig, those guys, a, a, anybody who does that, and even even new people who do it now, yeah. even new people, you know, because you're the final step. So yes. Don't mess up the is mix. The only, is the only <laughs> is the last talented oriented. Uh, yeah, human touch. Yeah, the yes, last human because thing. Because from that point on, you have yeah. no control. Yeah, or yeah, You yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to play where? So, how? Yeah. So don't so don't mess up the mix. Please, you know. <laughs> Please be sensitive. Well, with my mix, I start not touching anything. I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> See how long I'm taking up a lot of your time, Keith. How much time have we got there? I'm looking at my engineer in the control room and Moogie's starving we're we're how many 45 I, I don't even know what that means 47 47 47 minutes well that should be enough he needs to eat anyway uh god there's so many other things i want to ask you and when i do these things you know i've, I've known you for a long time there's so many things i didn't know about you yeah, i didn't know about the dj thing yeah. maybe i knew about the drummer thing what uh what new stuff are you working on that you like well well, for me, it's always uh, me, but I'm always amazed like it with all, the new, yeah. new stuff. But it just happened that I'm working with this amazing, talented girl, new songwriter. And that's one thing, too. My preference now is to to work with people that are from, from, from the little seed on. From beginning you know, to end. Oh, yeah. Musically speaking. So you're developing people, basically. Yeah. Yes, really? I am. I mean, I, mean I, I, I would not be that pretentious, you know. But I that's think, what it yeah, is. Yeah, but you know, You're I'm, I'm around the very beginning, <laughs> and you, you just hope that because I did 468 albums. Oh my god! In my oh my god! So believe me, I don't, I don't know what it works. I really don't. But I know what it doesn't work. Right, right. That well, I know. Well, something very works. Well. Something works. So, and it's really, but that is also another. Uh, a special gift because it's really difficult sometimes for you to sit with someone young and coming in and have all these ideas and inspirations. That's not gonna get us anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to destroy their hopes or, or like crush their enthusiasm. But you do need to rein them in because you're doing them a favor. Yeah. You know. What yeah, I mean? yeah. And and you just expect for them to perceive that that way too because quite honestly. Um, I'm, it's not for me. It's not my record. Yeah, yeah. It becomes my record once it's ready because now my name is there. Yeah, I know. And yeah. I have to, you know, I'm really fussy about that too. You know, I just don't agree. I, I compromise it's with called, anything. It's called integrity. Yeah. And I also, <laughs> I don't compromise with it. That's very important for people that are starting this business to understand. Yeah, something matters. I don't, I don't compromise anything, but don't ask me to record in a garage because I don't. Yeah. Okay. I, I will charge you less. I will spend, I will be faster, but I don't want to be east to west. I want studio oh, to And thank that's you. how I want to do it because well, you know you. what? That is the foundation of everything. That's a place that I trust. Well, I and, and by the way, one thing that is very important to mention, because that is the, there are the wires and the walls and the floors and the woods and all that, but that is something when you walk through the trash of the studio here, and that's why I'm here bugging you for life. I love you. The energy 
is so it contemplates everything everything works i think people who don't believe in ghosts you know it, you have to think of it in a positive way like if in an old building or a place where things have happened a little bit of energy is left in my opinion you know if it's an opera hall if it's the you know the coliseum in rome whatever that this something is left and you can definitely feel it here about beyond the acoustics beyond Absolutely. the gear beyond all that stuff. And people always say like, oh, I feel it. And I think they, I mean, I know they mean it, yeah. but I mean, I feel it too, just as a person who's listening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'll be at a movie theater or I'll listen to a record that you did. And I, obviously I have pride that like, oh, I, that was done at my place or the place yeah. I manage. And that's awesome. You know, East West is amazing. But really I call it 6,000 Sunset too, not to take away from East West because this has been a studio since 1960, long before yeah. East West or Cello or, or even yeah. Oceanway. But there's something about all the people that came through here. We're sitting in the room where Frank Sinatra recorded and it's a vibe. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a and, and I think also because me being a client of studios, East West and many others, because not always you guys are available for me to work and I have to do. I mean, you were the first call. Oh, thanks. Sometimes it's, it's, not the last, it's, the, it's not the last one. We do our best. So, but there is also, and I mention that all the time, is the, the staff, the people oh, that are here for us. In that's going to make them feel so good. They're yes, so great. Yes, because this is so important. When you grab a phone and, you know, and we all, we all have issues and problems and families and all that. You know, but well, when you call out the phone and say, Candace, please, I need a room for the, if you, if you in a different tuning. We had a fight a once and I cried for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so that is uh, what an asset D Doug has it. Well, thanks. Because, because, and the whole crew, I have to say. I, yeah, all everybody. My people. Everybody. But yeah. well, we're here just like you're there to help the artist. We're here to help you. Yeah. I mean, that's our whole reason for existing. You know Absolutely. what I mean? There's but no, you know, no you'll point. be surprised that not, not People everywhere. People forget. They think they're doing you a favor. Yes. <laughs> well, that's bullshit. You'll be surprised. <laughs> that's ridiculous. You'll be surprised. <laughs> Anybody listening to this, if you run a studio, if you run a hotel, if you run a convenience store, just remember it's about the customer. <laughs> absolutely. You know what? And for Moogie, the artist is a customer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that is a chain of elements absolutely. that it cannot be disrupted because if, if you disrupt that, yeah. something's going to go wrong. Yeah, no, I, I'm blessed. I have a wonderful staff, and they're all super cool, you know. Absolutely. I think, I think you know. they know what we're trying to do here, so hopefully. Yeah. And I hope Doug is listening to this part, because if you <laughs> want, you immediately should bring raises for everyone here in this facility. <laughs> I will make sure that that last part yeah. does not get edited <laughs> off out of there, for sure. Yeah, no, Doug Rogers, Seriously. the owner And by is the great. way, I also have to mention that. It's very, very important. Great owner. Doug Rogers, so, you're a great owner. So, <laughs> a, 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 in, the, in the division of the investment, you know, the investment that Doug put in this building yeah. here, besi besides the actual building, the real estate, the equipment, the wires, the mics, yeah. and all that, now he goes way beyond. Yeah. Only exclusively for us, they're here working. Yeah. That is so incredibly gratifying. Yeah, the lounge is gratifying, everything, yeah. Well, you know. 
you, we know that you have to come out of that studio and you want to sit somewhere cool and real, relax for a minute. You don't want to be sitting on a milk crate, you know? What I no. Mean? Although, yeah. there's a famous picture. Thank you, Doug. There's a famous picture of Sinatra sitting in the loading bay. I don't know if it's a milk crate or a box. And he's got his head in his hands. And the album's called, I think it's called Rituals. But the photograph is yeah. a really bizarre photograph right. in the loading bay. Not a pretty area, people. Wow. You know, I mean, it's just a, a functional industrial looking area. Yeah. And he's sitting on a box with his head like like down there like this. Oh, man. One day <laughs> going to be done with this. I've been yeah, here for five yeah, hours probably, and the album's not probably. ready. <laughs> I don't know why they chose that as the album cover, but it's a thoughtful moment, a pensive moment. <laughs> but, Tamugi, thank you so much for your time You're today. very welcome. Thank you listeners, for bringing me here. Listeners, thank you. you for listening and tuning in to Trade Secrets. Get the double entendre so you want to get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. I love you. There's, I will have to do it again because there's more I need to know. Absolutely. I need to know so much. Well, any, any time. We'll do it again. Let me know. We'll do it again. Thank you. Thank you.